This class, as we said every week, is in memory of Jared Orchen. We will learn today about Chana. Rosh Hashanah is coming up, and the Talmud says that on Rosh Hashanah, three famous Jewish women were answered, their prayers were answered. Biblical women, Sarah, Rachel, and Hannah. <coughs> then, that's why on Rosh Hashanah we read in the Torah, the reading of Rosh Hashanah, what we read in the synagogue on Rosh Hashanah is the story of Sarah, Sarah, that she prayed for, for she got her blessing, her child Isaac. Rachel, we read in the Torah, we read the first day of Rosh Hashanah, we read about Hannah. How she prayed and she got her son uh, Samuel. And in the after of the second day Rosh Hashanah, we read about Rachel. She got Joseph. Just by the way, Joseph came out from jail on Rosh Hashanah too. But that's a whole different story. Mm -hmm. You'll hear about it probably on Rosh Hashanah. But we will study the Aftorah from the story of Hannah on page 170 from the book from the master that we really use for Rosh Hashanah, from the story, we go straight there. Want to start? For the first day? There was, yeah. Once there was again. a particular man from Rabatam Zophim? Ramatayim. From Mount Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah. His name, the husband's name, the man was named Elkanah, the son of Yerucham, the son of Eliu, the son of Tohu, the son of Tzuf, I <laughs> I saved you all this uh, Thank you. aggravation. A distinguished man. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. Penina. We'll stop right here. He didn't have in the beginning two wives. He had only one wife. Her name was Hannah. But Hannah was married to Elkanah, and she could not have children. That what was Hannah came up with an idea. She read the Bible. What's written in the Bible when you cannot have children? What do you do? Tell your husband to another wife. Who did that? Sarah. Sarah. Who else did that? Uh, Rachel. Rachel. Beautiful. What Sarah did? Sarah came to Abraham, she could not have children, and she told them, marry Hagar. The idea was when, when she, she believed that if Hashem will see, if God will see, that she is ready to give up her husband, give up on her own ego, just that her husband should have children, that we will have mercy on her and we'll give her children too. It worked. Mm -hmm. By Sarah it worked. Rachel, who is the second person who had troubles with having children, did the same thing. She said, I'll do what my grandmother did. Rachel called, uh, uh, he told her maidservant, Bila, go and have children with Jacob, so to speak, for me. And she said, if it worked for my grandmother, grandmother will work for me. It worked. Hannah said she'll do the same thing. In general, Judaism, in Jew, by Jewish people, in Jewish history, there is seven, it's written seven um, barren women that were in Jewish history. The, and, the, and the Talmud mentions six, and the seventh is Zion, the Jewish people, so to speak, as a whole. For some reason, the Jewish people have a hard time to have children. <coughs> if you look around, you see it's true. I know there is many explanations for it. 
why should we give explanation why people should have a hard time to have children? But the reality is that to bring down a Jewish soul sometimes is difficult and, and, uh, and challenging. And the greatest leaders in Jewish history, like the Rebbe, did not have children. They could not have children. They wanted very, very much to have children, but they could not have children. And then to see to have children is a very, it's a, it's, it's a fight, it's a war. And many women in the Bible had this fight to have children. In modern, modern times, do, do they do that now? They will do everything to have children. Yeah, mm. today it's much easier to have children, and it's, there is many ways to do it. Some, some ways are more kosher, some ways are less do, kosher. Do you mean, do you mean, did you, did you mean take yeah, that's what Oh, I mean. oh, oh no, 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 no. They will go to doctors and try to do everything. No, they, they will not marry another woman. By Jewish law, you're not allowed to marry more than one wife. Yeah, but you're saying... That was, in biblical time, it was allowed. 1100 years ago, around, was a rabbi in, in Germany, Rabbeinu Gershom, and he made a rule, a decree, that nobody is allowed to marry more than one wife. The Ashkenazic Jews accepted it. It's the only one group, community, who did not accept it. Over the history, it was the Yemenite Jews, and some of them still had, until recently, more than one wife. But by now, it's almost not practiced even there. And because in Israel, it's, it's against the law. But uh, some, uh, by Jewish law, you're allowed, if, if both of them agree, they're allowed to get divorced and to, he's allowed to marry another, instead, to get divorced and marry another wife to have children. But even this is not practiced. And a couple stays together and they see it as a, as a mission from God, a decree from God not to have children, and that's the... How about the adoption? <coughs> adoption exists in Judaism, sure, you can adopt children. It's a little complicated to have the, the child Jewish, and then when he's an adult, he's, if he's a boy, he's really... He's like a stranger. Allahically, he's like a stranger. You might raise him, raise him like your child, but... The bottom line is he's not is not is not your is not a part of you. It's not your genes. That it's different laws. Do they then for like adopted children? Do they go to conversion then? Yeah, yeah. Kosher conversion. Right. Can, yeah, you can do it. And when he's turning thirteen or twelve or the girl when she's twelve, they have to ask her if she agreed agrees to continue to be Jewish. Or even if she's not asked, the moment they make a bar mitzvah and it's with their agreement and they are, and they are cooperating, that may makes a statement that they, that they are happy to be Jewish. Then we are going back to the story of Hannah. One, well, he had two wives. He had in the beginning one, then he had another one. Hannah bought somebody else with the name Penina. Beautiful. Penina had children, but Hannah was childless. Oh, Penina had children, Hannah did not have children. Not only this, the Medrash says that Pnina, Pnina constantly, Pnina believed that ha, Pnina used to torture Hannah. Tell her, oh, why are you not going out to, to pick up your children from school? Don't you wait for the boss? Where's your, where are you? Don't you, don't you supposed to dress your children? She used to remind her constantly that she doesn't have children. Then the Talmud says, Pnina had good intention because Pnina said, Hannah is a very righteous woman. She's a prophetess. If she will pray hard enough, she'll get children. But she didn't pray hard enough. That she tried like to push her to pray to pray harder. But the Talmud says the end of the story didn't end good for Tina because even when you have good intention, how goes the English expression? 
the road to hell is full of good intention? Maybe good intentions? Okay. The same thing is here because she was she had good intention. Or the bottom line is she, she told she pained her her, 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 her her other wife basically. She paid uh, Hannah, and therefore that was not allowed. <coughs> then even that Hannah, the, to a point that Talmud compares that Satan and Penina are doing things for the sake of God. I mean, they have good intention. That Satan gives you a challenge. He doesn't want you to, he wants you to overcome the challenge. He's doing it for the sake of God, but the bottom line is called Satan. Mm-hmm. We're not looking for a Satan. The same thing is Penina. Nina, even she had good intention, and she forced Hannah to pray. Still, the, even if you want somebody to pray, you cannot do it in a painful way. Mm-hmm. Or, or let's put it in this in such a painful way. Okay, let's go get into the story. That man used to go up from his town year by year to prostrate himself in prayer and to offer sacrifices to the Lord of Hosts in Shiloh. And there are the two sons of Eli, Shafni, Chofni and Pinchas, served as Kohanim, Kohanim priests for to Hashem. To the Lord. Okay, what happened is, at that time, the temple was in Shiloh. The Jews didn't make it yet to Jerusalem. Shiloh is in the occupied <coughs> territories. It was before they came to Jerusalem, the temple in Shiloh stood for 369 years. It's a long time. The walls were made from stone. The roof was the same roof that they took from the portable sanctuary that they brought from the desert. It was a portable roof, basically, like a tent. And that was the temple. And Elkanah was a righteous man. He wanted inspired people to go to, Shil- he had to, go to Jerusalem or to Shiloh three times a year. Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot. Every time he used to go in a different direction. And to a different city, a different uh, a neighborhood, a different village, village, and he never slept in a motel. He used to pitch tent in the middle of the street and sleep there. And people used to come out. What's going on? Who are you? From where are you coming? Where are you going? Oh, I'm going. He was a rich man, Elkanah, and he, had, he could afford it. He used to go with a whole entourage. And he just asked him, where are you going? He said, I'm going to Shiloh. Come with me. And little by little, he revived the Jewish people to start to go back to Shiloh. The schut, the merit of taking people should go to the temple. And obviously, if people go to the temple, they come back, they're more inspired, they're more Jewish, they're more, they're more connected to God, they're nicer, they're better people, everything. That every time he used to go a different, in a different path, different direction. That he always used to go to Shiloh. Want to read on the day that Elkanah offered sacrifices, he would give portions to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give the choicest portion, for he loved Hannah, and also to ease her pain. Okay. Penina is children, but the beloved wife is Hannah. Just like they're always the story. Jacob, Rachel, and Leah, the same thing. To ease her pain is to give her a double portion. Continue. Go ahead. Go me? Yeah, please. Where yeah. Hannah, he loved giving choice support. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Benina, her, her rival used to, am I right, Clay? Mm-hmm. A little bit before? 
Um, a little bit before that, one second. Let me. See. The Lord has closed the womb. Yeah. Yes. Is that it? Yes. Uh, but but to Hannah, he, he would give a, uh, double, a portion, double portion, right? double for portion. he loved Hannah, and also to to ease her pain because the Lord closed the womb. Continue, yeah. Pnina. Pnina, her rival used to constantly provoke her to anger so that she would complain and pray to the Lord. Exactly. It's written clearly then why she did that to her. She should complain to the Lord. For Continue. For he closed the womb. And so he would do year by year whenever she went up to the house of the Lord. So Penina would provoke her to anger and she would weep and could not eat. Okay. Every time we used to come to the temple... She used to create a whole fight, a whole thing. She said, now is the time to pray. See, you're in Shiloh. So to speak, go to pray. I'll make her angry. I'll make her upset. She'll be more upset. But the bottom line is she made her cry. And it was everybody sitting by the table to eat. And she didn't. She went to cry. Why is it, what does it mean? It says, and so he would do year by Every year he used to go to the temple. So she was um, like this many years? What are you, you talking about? Um, right? Hannah and Pnina. Hannah was Hannah married 10 children. years and she did not have children. Then another 9 years when, when Pnina had children. She, 19 years until she had a first, uh, Samuel, as we're going to learn soon. Mm -hmm. But it was, yeah, it was, it was years, yeah. 19 years she waited for the first time. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, so she had the child after 19 years? Yes. Oh, good. That's a lot of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of praying, a lot of time, yes. Go ahead. Do you want to go ahead? Elkanah, her mm -hmm. husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? And I am not better to you than, than sons. Hear what he tells them. <laughs> Elkanah tells her, why are you crying? I'm not good, better to you as ten sons. I'm not better to you. I love you so much. I'm better than ten sons. If you would, if anybody would tell to his wife such a comment, <laughs> <laughs> your wife wants children, she's crying for children. Tell her, what are you, what are you crying? Why are you so upset? I'm so good to you. I'm good to you like ten sons. She would throw him out of the house. She never look at him again. <laughs> <laughs> what was he really telling you? What was he really telling you? Then there he comes to from the Ariza, the Torah of the Ariza, some, something very interesting. And Nibu. He use uh, usually we say I am I. I say I in Hebrew. Ani. Ani. Here they use a different word. Anochi. Similar word, but Anochi reminds us about the word. Where is Anochi written? The first word of the Ten Commandments is Anochi Hashem Elokecha. I am your God. What was he really telling you? He told her, not that he is better to you than ten sons. He told her, you are a prophetess. You have the Anochi. You have God. Isn't God better than ten sons? That's what he told her. If you're a regular person, fine. Everybody wants children. But you are a prophetess. You understand. You, are, you live a more spiritual life. So you have something so more, more powerful than what you what you so upset. From this that she wasn't comforted, you see... That it's more important to have children than to have to be a prophet. How do we know she's a prophetess at this point? From the end, we know at the beginning. I mean, it was like this. 
Hannah is one of the seven Jewish prophetess. Absolutely. <clears throat> Are there any clues in the text before this? I think we're in the first part. No, of I Samuel. don't think so. No, 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 no. But from the story, we know. Now when you look mm-hmm. back, it's written Anochi, it makes a little more sense. Mm-hmm. It's just translated wrong. It's not, no, it's not. I cannot say. There is, there is the literal translation. Ah. And then there is the deeper meaning. Okay. To come and to say that Anochi means God and not Ani, Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there is many midrashes to say Anochi, they, they mm-hmm. take the word Anochi about God and, and explain many things, but the literal meaning is I. Okay. Okay. Hannah arose after the eating and drinking in Shiloh, and Ellen Cohen was sitting in the chair by the doorpost of the sanctuary of the Lord, and she was grieved. Okay, the, uh, Eli was the high priest at that time. And she went after they ate and the drink, they, they offered the sacrifice and they, they, they gave everybody a portion of the meat and so on. And she went to the temple. And Eli, the high priest, was sitting by the entrance of the, of the temple. And, and she was grieved to her very soul and she prayed to the Lord, weeping profusely. Okay, uh, she was very bitter. Moras Nofesh. She was a very, very bitter. She was broken and bitter. And she went to pray to God in the temple. How old was she at this time? Um, according to the message, she was, she was old. She was not a young girl. But, uh, and she cried. She made a vow saying, Lord of hosts, if you will look upon the anguish of your maidservant, remember me and not forget your maidservant, and give your maidservant a male child. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. She made, she made a promise. If you give me a child, I'll give him back to you. I'll dedicate him to God. It will not be for me. Go out for taking pictures and go out for ice cream and all of this good stuff. He will be dedicated for God. And a razor will not be over his head means what? Nazarite. Mm-hmm. He will be a Nazarite. He will be completely dedicated for God. Never shave, never... Never shave his head. Yes. Okay. And it was, as she was praying so much before the Lord, that Eli was watching her mouth. She was... Yeah, continue. Hannah was speaking to herself. Only her lips moved, but her voice could not be heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. At that time, the custom was to pray loud. He says a woman stands there and talks to itself. Thought she's wrong. Now, she was praying a lot. She was like begging God a lot. There is a Talmudic statement, interesting, maybe it's well to know, that because she prayed too much, she shortened his days of Eli, of, uh, of her son. She insisted too much what, what means too much and how much is too much I don't know but I'm just telling you the statement of the Talmud he lived Samuel lived only 52 years okay Eli looks at her and he sees a woman stand there and talking to herself for hours <laughs> so what's going on here is this with the tradition of uh, praying? Uh, the idea of praying silently, the silent Amida, comes from Hana. There are a few important laws that we learn from Hana, as we're going to learn later. And one of them is that, that you pray, pray silent. She was, the, she was the one who introduced the prayings in silent in Judaism. 
but her lips are moving even though it's silent. So yeah. You, it's the tradition that so you can barely hear it, or is it completely yeah, you, silent? Uh, you, you have to speak better completely silent. But, uh, but if on Rosh Hashanah in Kippur, it's written that if you want to be, be able to concentrate, you can make it a little louder as long as you don't bother anybody around you. Go ahead. And Eli said to her, How long will you be drunk? Remove your wine from yourself. Hannah mm -hmm. replied, saying, It is not so, my lord. I am a woman heavy of heart. I have drunk neither new wine nor old wine, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. She said, I'm drunk. I'm a broken, I'm a bitter woman. I have, a, I have a lot of pain. I didn't drink wine. I poured my heart to God in front of the Lord. Go ahead. Do not regard your maidservant as a wicked woman, for it is due to my great distress and vexation that I have been speaking until now. From, from I, exactly. From, well, she was so upset, that's why she was speaking so much. <clears throat> Eli replied and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel will grant your request which you have asked of You know what happened there is? Eli accused her of being drunk. Jewish law says you're not allowed to enter drunk into the temple. Actually, the two sons of Aaron entered drunk and they died. It's written in the Bible, to the coins, Yain or Altesh, you should not drink wine or, or alcohol before you enter the temple. And even uh, from the ear also we learn that on prayers, when before you pray, you're not allowed to drink wine before you go to pray. You have to be sober. And he accused her that she's drunk. The moment he accused that she's drunk and he discovered that it's not true, he felt he has to pay her back. That he gave her a blessing. He was the high priest. He gave her a blessing. May God fulfill your request. Eli's blessing worked. That's what it was. She got Eli in trouble. He accused her for being drunk. That he felt he has to pay her. He has to pay off. Because he, he, he accused such a broken out woman and something that she knows. She, she's broken and you say she's drunk. That he, he, he utilized his spiritual powers and he gave her a broche. He said, what do you need? You need a child. Hashem will fulfill his money, your blessings. The blessing of Eli walked. Now, he didn't know she was a prophetess. No, he didn't know. Obviously, he wouldn't tell her that you're a drunk. There is some commentaries who say something very interesting. And on the, on the breastplate of the Kohen, is to be was able to see the answers, you know, there is a, <coughs> the, every letter is to be lightened lighten up. Then the high priest looked on his own breastplate and he saw the letters Shin Chaf Chaf Shin Reishei. These letters depends how you put them together. It could mean Shikora, Shikem. It could mean kosher. Ksheira means she's a kosher woman, she's a good person. Shikher means she's drunk. Mm -hmm. Eli didn't uh, arrange the letters the right way. Four letters lighten, were lighting up, but they didn't arrange the letters the right way. He made a mistake. This mistake gave her a blessing. She was lucky enough that, that Eli uh, accused her, and he gave her a bocha. Then it all was the end of a shemir. For sure, this bless, the breastplate was then before the temples? 
This no, the coin, the coin? Sure, it was from the desert, yeah. from the yeah. from oh. from Aaron, right? The first breastplate is in the Torah. So was it made formation. of gold? It's the same one. It's made of everything, yeah. It was the 12 stones of the two, uh, and every stone was written a name, uh, one of the name of the tribes. And that was one of the ways to communicate with God. When, they, when, they, when the king wanted to know if to go to war or not, he stood, the high priest used to stand in front of the Holy of Holies and used to, that's a whole de description how it worked, but one way or another, the, from the letters, he was able to understand what Hashem wants from them. What's the right answer? To go to war, not to go to war. Certain letters used to light up. Now you have to be, have to have muzzle to, com to connect the letters, the right, to understand the messages the right way. Sometimes Hashem sent us messages and we don't get it. Here she got a blessing. Go ahead. I just I think it's interesting that she had to uh, speak up and tell the high priest, you're wrong. That's an uneasy thing to do, probably. You're right. And this is also, we, as we learn later, that we learn from it, if somebody accuses you of something not true, don't be silent. Make, point, make a point that it's not true. In a nice way, but... Okay, let's continue. Um... She said, uh, Go in peace and the God of Lord, uh, which you, you ask for him. She said, Who's supposed to read? Um, Mr. Martel. Um, she said, May you, may your maid servant find favor in your eyes. See, uh, go in peace. Uh, she said, May your maid servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went on her way. She ate, and her face was no longer sour. For some reason, she had a feeling that the prayers were answered. She used to pray in Shiloh for years. She never, she was always coming back and said, this time she, gave a, she got a bracha from Ailey. Oh, it's a different story. You got a bracha from the Rebbe, now you're talking. They, they rose early in the morning, prostrated themselves in the prayer before the Lord, and returned and came in their house in Ramah. Wakana knew intimately mm -hmm. his wife Hannah and the Lord remembered her. The Lord remembered her. Every time when it's written in the Torah that God remembered, it means God came, gave salvation to this person. And God remembered the Jews in Egypt and he sent Moses to redeem them. And God remembered Noah in the ark and he stopped the, the, the flood. He took him out from the ark. And God remembered Sarah and he gave her a child. Remembering is a call for action. It's, a, it's called a mitzvah, as I say. It's a, it's a mitzvah that calls for action. A positive commandment. You have to do something. Can you imagine somebody tells you, I remember that yesterday was your birthday. I remember it, actually. Actually, I remember that. You remember? Why didn't you pick up the phone and say, hello? Since said the card. Oh, I, I was thinking about you. Don't worry, I was thinking about you. It's not enough. You're thinking about me. It doesn't help me, right? Remembering Rosh Hashanah is a day of remembrance because all these three women were remembered by God and Rosh Hashanah. Joseph was remembered by God and Rosh Hashanah. It's all about remembering. The remembering is a call for action. And it was in the, at the end of the period. Go ahead. And it was at the end of the period of pregnancy of Hannah that she gave birth to a son and she called his name Shmuel. For she said, I have asked for him, Shiltiv. Shiltiv of the Lord. Shmuel comes from, from, uh, from asking. I was borrowing from God. I was begging from God and I was borrowing from God. Basically that he belongs to God. 
is alone from God. That's what it is. This child is alone from God. That she named him Shmuel. In the name Shmuel is, Sh- is Shaul, king, so it's like the word Lon, and the name Hel, the name Hashem, the name of God, in the name Shemuel. Is there significance Samuel. to the fact that the first king was Shaul, and he anoints Shaul? That's interesting. I didn't think about that, but yeah, Shaul means uh, beg, Osko, Lon, unlon. That's interesting. Go ahead. The man Elkanah. The man Elkanah with his entire household went up to Shiloh to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifices and his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, I will remain at home until the boy is weaned. Then I shall bring him there that he may appear before the Lord and stay there forever. Okay, what happened here? Elkanah used to go every year to the temple. She had a baby, she told Elkanah, I can go. Zygig is on the raid, I'm not going. <laughs> she said, I will raise the child and then I'll go. What she really said then? She had two options. Elkanah was a rich man. She could leave the baby with a babysitter and go to the temple. She was a prophetess. Shiloh was very, very important to her. It wasn't like a by-the-way place, you know, you go to the temple by yourself. That was a highlight of your life, to going to Shiloh. That she had two options. She had one option to take a babysitter, to leave him with a babysitter at home, or to take a nanny with her to help her on the road. He had enough money. She didn't choose not the first option and not the second option. She stayed home. From here we learn that raising Jewish children is more important than get taking prophecy. And how much more, more important than having a career or anything else. The, the Rebbe once spoke about that, about that raising children is the most important job and people should not, should only, should push away anything else and they should be the most number one priority is raising Jewish children. Then, after this talk, some Chabad women who were involved in Chabad work said to the Rebbe, maybe I should stop everything and be on. I said, I didn't talk to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> talk to people who have other careers. <laughs> if you will not do it, then who will do it? <laughs> okay. Um, go on. And I shall bring him there that he may appear before the Lord and stay there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what is best in your eyes and stay until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord fulfill what you have spoken concerning him. What of what she's spoken? She's spoken she will give him up to God. She will dedicate him to God. She will dedicate Samuel to God. So? So the woman stayed and nursed her son until she weaned him. When she weaned him, she took him up with her together with three bullocks, one epa of flour and a skin flask of wine, and she brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. The boy was still very young. They slaughtered the bullock and brought the boy to Eli. To Eli. Eli. She brought the boy, the little boy that she finally had, she brought him to Eli. She brought him to the temple in Shiloh. So how old would you say he was? He was young. Two, Very or young. two or three. Yeah, she just stopped breastfeeding. I mean, what maybe breastfeeding was at that time, longer, yeah. whatever. And he was young, no question about it. She said... The boy was still very young. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I can't see the prince so well. It's okay. Um, oh. She, she said, please, my Lord, as surely as you or so lives, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here with you praying 
to the Lord. It was for this boy that I prayed, and the Lord granted me the request which I asked him, of him. Therefore, I have also lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is loaned to the Lord. She told him, this is the boy that I prayed for. This is the child. You remember me standing there and crying and begging? Here is the boy in front of your eyes. And now I'm supposed to dedicate him for God. I'm supposed to lend him for God. Go ahead. And he bowed there unto the Lord. Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My glory has been raised by the Lord. My mouth is open wide against mine enemies. For I rejoice through your salvation. There is none holy as the Lord. For there is none aside from you. And there is none mighty as our God. She, it was like a whole prayer that she said to God. These are a series of praises, basically. Yes, 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 yes. But it's also a lot of theology in there, too. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Why is she, you know, waxing forth as a theologian here? That shows that she was a prophet. She wasn't a regular person. Go ahead. You want to continue? Yeah. Do not talk so exceedingly arrogantly. Let not a silence come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of thoughts, and by Him all deeds are recorded. Basically, God controls everything and is, is, is in charge of life. The bowels of the mighty are broken, while those who had stumbled are girded with she, she strength. She basically she says, people who think they were very strong became weak, and people who were weak became strong. We don't know. We cannot. We don't know what to expect. It's controlled by God. This, did she have only this baby in the? No, day? she had more children later. Oh, she had more. She had five children. Okay. Hannah had five children. She had another four children after him. Okay. Samuel, she gave up to God, and he became the prophet. And we know about Samuel. Right. The other four, I don't know what was the names. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Really, yeah. nothing. Written. She was taken to the bus. <laughs> she was taking the other one to the bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was very good, Corey. <laughs> so after 19 years, she, she had five children. Yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> Continue. Those who, were, those who were sated have hired themselves out of bread, while those who were hungry have ceased to be in want. While the barren woman has given birth to seven, she was had many children and buried. The Lord Basically, the woman who could not have children had many, and the woman who had many children lost of her lost some of her children. Penina lost some of her children because she was torturing uh, Hannah. <coughs> Continue. The Lord puts to death and restores to life. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He humbles, he also exalts. He raises the poor from the dust, lifts the destitute from the dung hill to sit them with nobles, and gives them inheritance, a seat of honor, for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he said the word upon them. Okay, you want to continue? Basically, she says in this old long prayer that God runs the show. God makes people rich, makes people poor, leave, everything. It's the, ending, the end of God. <coughs> Go ahead. But before we get there, yeah. one of the lines there, he brings down to the grave and raises up. And that's one of the, the sources of, of the concept of resurrection. Mm -hmm. Okay, is it, 
I was that understood. Why why is resurrection a theme that she's talking about here again? She talks control? about everything that everything is controlled by God, from from rich to poor, from uh, hungry to satisfied, from life to from death, birth from to death. from everything, everything. She, that's what she brings it. He guards the feet of his pious one, but the wicked are silenced in darkness. For not by strength does man prevail. Those who contend with the Lord will be crushed. He will thunder against them in heaven. The Lord will judge the furthest corners of the earth. Give strength to his king and raise the glory of his anointed one. Who is this anointed one? Moshiach. The anointed one is Moshiach. That she already spoke about. She prayed all the way to the time of Moshiach. Well, for, first thing, it's going to be the king, the immediate king coming up. Obviously. Yes. How, how, how do we know it's a messianic prediction in that sense? You're in Moshiach because uh, we know that it didn't happen yet, really, mm -hmm. in a full sense. Um, this is the two pages we're going to learn now. Two separate. Yeah, two separate pages. Yeah, yeah. To, to take two, both of them. I didn't have time to make too much, two normal copies, but. Uh, um, everybody else? Yeah. Uh, it's two pages. Yeah. I have more. Yeah, yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, I have plenty. Rabbi Mnune said, the Talmud speaks about this story of Hannah and learns a few interesting laws from the story. Um, Rabbi Amnuna said, how many most important laws <clears throat> can be learned from these verses relating to Hannah? Now, Hannah, she spoke in her heart. From this we learn that one who prays must direct his heart. Only her lips Okay, move. that first of all, he spoke in your heart. That means to say you have to think about what you say. When you pray, you have to be concentrating. You have to be focused. You cannot just say the words and not think. She came out from her heart. She, your prayer, believe me, was a prayer. She was all in, completely focused on your prayer. It's like she's all in. She's all in exactly. It's like you cannot you cannot exercise if you are not focused. You know you cannot do anything. You cannot be any, you cannot do anything right if you're not focused. You cannot write a paper. You cannot do an operation. You cannot do anything when you're in not Okay. The second law we learn is only your lips moved. Go ahead. From this we learn that he who prays must frame the words distinctly with his lips. He has to be able to clear, say it clear. Not like people, sometimes I tell people, if you pray, it looks and they say, it tells me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not, <laughs> you have to say it with your mouth. <laughs> Prayers have to be recited with your mouth, not with your eyes. And that's what you learn, that's another thing you learn from her. Go ahead. But her voice could not be heard from this. It is forbidden to raise one's voice in the tefillah. And the prayer, you're not, you're not allowed, the silent amida, you're not allowed to raise your voice because you're confusing other people. And also because you sound, in a, it's written because you sound like you don't believe that God hears quietly. He doesn't hear well, you have to scream. The story goes that once a guy the, in a synagogue was screaming, praying loud. Somebody, a rabbi came over to him and told him, you ever tried in a good way with God? <laughs> Why are you yelling? Why are you making such noise? Try in a good way, maybe you will understand you better. <laughs> Give him a chance. <laughs> Therefore, Eli thought she had been drunken from this, that a drunken person is forbidden to say the tefillah. Eli thought she was drunk. So? So she was drunken? Who cares? 
From here we learn that a drunk person is not allowed to daven. He's not allowed to pray. He has to wait until the, he, the wine rolls off and then he, he should pray. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken, etc.? Rabbi Eliezer said, From this we learn that one who sees in his neighbor something unseemly must reprove him. Aha! She told it, it, it why, why uh, Eli could be on the side. Why am I to interfere? It's his business, it's not my business, you know. Nobody today, you know, society wants to tell anything to anyone. If you say somebody is doing something, who knows something's doing wrong, is in the temple, in the holy temple, he was in charge, he was the high priest, he felt that it's his place to tell her in a nice way, but to tell her that you know, after how long you're going to be drunk. What about Purim? Everybody Purim, drunk you're allowed Purim? to be drunk after the service. Oh, after, okay. <laughs> after that, okay. not before, yes. Okay. Absolutely. Go ahead. Um, yeah, Mr. Martel, please. Um, and Hannah. And Hannah. Oh. The beginning of the second paragraph. And then oh. I said... Uh, now, and Hannah answered and said, No, my lord. Uh, Ula, or as some say... The name of Yosebihanina, yes, said... She said to him... She said to him... Thou art no Lord in this matter, nor does the Holy Spirit rest on thee, that thou suspectest me of this thing. Some say she said to him... Basically, she told them, you are a holy man, you have the Spirit of God, and you suspect me of being a drunk person? <laughs> That's what she told them. Um, Some say, she said to him... Uh, thou art no Lord, meaning the Shekhinah, and the Holy Spirit is not with you, in that you take the harsher and not the more lenient view of my conduct. Aha, uh -huh. she told them, how could a righteous man not judge somebody favorably? You see a person, he might be drunk, he might be broken out of it. Forget about being holy and spiritually know the truth. What, why you don't, don't, the Mishnah tells us, we know that everyone you have to see another person, you have to judge him favorably. Maybe there's no, maybe he forgot, maybe this, maybe she's a broken hearted. Why you took the harsher side? Dost thou not know that I am a woman of sorrowful spirit? I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink. Rabbi Eleazar said, from this we learn that one who is suspected wrongfully must clear himself. She had to clear herself, she had to tell him the truth. It's not true, I'm not drunk, I didn't do anything wrong. I, it should, the other person shouldn't walk away with the wrong impression. Because by this, for a few reasons, he might learn from you. <laughs> so now I saw somebody in the temple, he was drunk and it was good. But you have to tell him. I didn't do it. You have, you have to... You have to make sure that people don't have the wrong impression of you to begin with. But if they, if they got it, you have to make sure it's, it's not left. So this is not speaking very highly of uh, Eli. Eli. And his sons didn't do very well after this, doesn't His sons is his sons. Uh, let's <laughs> not to blame him for his sons. Uh, maybe you can blame the Torah, blame them a little bit. But Eli was a... Uh, Eli raised Samuel. Eli gave her the blessing. But Eli was the high priest. As long as Eli was alive, the temple in Shiloh stood. And then when the Ark of the Covenant was taken, and then he died, that was the end of the Temple of Shiloh. But Eli was a... Uh, you see, we are sitting here today and talking about Eli. How many high priests do you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Eli was a very righteous man. It's written about when Samuel was raised as a, 
as a child, she left him, when she brought Samuel, she left him in the temple to be raised by Shad, by Eli. She promised she'll dedicate the boy to God. She lived up to her promise. And he was sleeping in the next room to Eli. And once he heard the Samuel lays in bed, the Bible tells the story, the prophet tells the story, the book of Samuel. Um, I think it's the book of Samuel, maybe in early. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, he heard the voice, Samuel, Samuel. He goes to Eli, he tells him, Eli, what do you want? He said, I didn't call you. Lays down in bed. He goes, yes, Samuel, Samuel. He comes to Eli, what do you want? Eli told him, next time when you hear this voice, say yes. <laughs> That's how he became a prophet. It was the voice of God. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Eli and Samuel were on the same waveline. Mm-hmm. They know what's to say, God, this. Then Eli was a, a good job. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Um, want to continue? Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace. Rabbi Eliezer said, From this we learn that one who suspects his neighbor of a fault which he has not committed must beg his pardon. Nay, more, he must bless him, as it says, and the God of Israel grant that petition. Because he, he accused them, he had to bless them. And that was the best thing that ever happened to him. That he accused her, and because he, he accused her, he had to bless her, and then she got the baby, the blessing for the baby. And she vowed a vow to and said, what? And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of Zebaoth, Tzvaot, Ost, Ost. Rabbi Eliezer said, From the day that God created his world, there was no man called the Holy One, blessed be he, Tzvaot, the Lord of hosts. Until Hannah came and called him both, said Hannah before the Holy One, Blessed be he, sovereign of the universe, of all the hosts and hosts that thou hast created in thy world. Is it so hard in thy eyes to give me one son? To- Hannah told him, You're the, host, the God of hosts, means you have armies and armies of people. One child? What am I asking? I tell many times people are looking for a shidduch. You're looking just for one. <laughs> oh, we cannot find it's so busy. She asked him, okay, go ahead. A parable. To what is this matter like? To a king who has made a feast for his servants, and a poor man came and stood by the door and said to them, Give me a bite. And no one took any notice of him. So he forced his way into the presence of the king and said to him, Your majesty, out of all the feasts which thou hast made, is it so hard in thine eyes to give me one bite? One bite, that's it. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. If thou wilt indeed look unto the affliction of thy handmaiden, and not forget thy handmaiden, but will give unto thy handmaiden. Rabbi Yosef Barachanina said, said, Why this three times? Why she said, Enmate three, three times? Hannah said before the Holy One, Blessed be he. Sovereign of the universe, thou hast created a woman, has created in woman three criteria. No, you know what? Let's skip this. Let's go continue. But we'll uh, give unto the endmate a man child. What, what does this mean by the word a man child? She asked for a zera uh, anashim, a child of men. What, what she exactly meant with it? Rav said, a man among men. You see it? Next paragraph. Okay, here, Samuel said. No, no, first of all, Ralph said, a man among men, means to me, should be like every normal. 
not not too special. I don't want a genius. I don't want. I want a regular guy. Samuel said. Samuel said, "See that will anoint two men, namely Saul and David." I want a man that will anoint two people. Zera Nashim, literally the translation for the word, what she said, Zera Nashim is a seed of men, men plural. She says, I want to give, should give me such a child that will anoint two kings. He end up to anoint Samuel and to anoint King Saul and King David. That's what he meant. That Rav said, she just said, give me a man, a normal guy, I'm not asking for anything special. Samuel said, go ahead, so, uh, okay. namely, Seed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seed Rabbi 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 Yohanan said, Seed that will be equal to two men, namely Moses and Aaron. According to the Talmud, Samuel was so great, like Moses and Aaron put together. As it is said, As it said <laughs> Moses and Aaron among his priests, and Samuel among them to call upon his name. Basically, from one verse in the Torah, we can see that. Moses and Aaron are compared together like Samuel. The rabbi said, seed. Seed that will be merged among men. When Rabbi Dimi Dimi came from Palestine, he explained this to mean neither too tall nor too short, neither too thin nor too corpulent, neither too pale nor too red, neither over clever nor stupid. A regular child, not too smart, not too this. Nobody should pay attention to him. He should, he should blend in. <laughs> Go ahead. I, I am the woman that stood by thee here. Uh, Rabbi Joshua Ben Levi said, From this we learn that it's forbidden to sit within four cubits of one saying tefillah. Basically, he stood by, by, by you. There is a Jewish law that says that when somebody prays the Amida, you're not allowed to sit next to him. You have to give him space. Four cubits. Or you're not allowed to pass by in front of him. Because you might confuse him. That, that's the, the, that if, stand up, if somebody still continues the Amida, you're really not allowed to sit down. You have to wait until you finish the Amida, then you can sit down. If you sit down next to him. If it's more space, then you can do it. More than four cubits, but not, not next to him. Now, Hannah, she spoke in her heart. Rabbi Eliezer said in the name of Rabbi Hosea she spoke concerning her heart. She said before him, Sovereign of the universe among all the things that thou hast, hast created in a woman, thou hast not created one without a purpose. Eyes to see, ears to, ears to hear, a nose to smell, a mouth to speak, a hands to do work, legs to walk with breasts to give suck. These breasts that thou hast put on my heart, are they not to give suck, give me a son? She said to God, everything has a purpose. You gave me eyes, you gave me ears, you gave me breasts. Why you don't give me a chance to give to use it for its purpose? That's what she, she told to God. Rabbi Lozo say, also said, Anna spoke instantly toward heaven as it says, Hannah prayed unto the Lord. This teaches us she spoke instantly toward What's heaven. instantly? Disrespectfully. <laughs> oh, she was like angry with God. There is a story about Shazar. Shazar was the third, um, the third president of Israel. Shneur Zalman Shazar. If you go online, you will see the name. 
This Jew was a grandson of a he came from a Hasidic family. That's why his name was Shneur Zalman, like the Alter Rebbe. He came from the very, very distinguished Hasidic family. But he tells a story about his grandfather who could not have children. And, uh, and when he had a children, they used to charge like as babies. And every year she used to tell him, go, you're going to the Rebbe, ask for a boche. And he used to say, yeah, yeah, I'll ask. And he used to come, the Rebbe gave him a boche, he came, but nothing. One year she told them, it was a new Rebbe. The, old, the Rebbe before passed away was a new Rebbe. And it's a known thing when there is a new Rebbe, there is, could be many blessings. She told him, now you're going. You don't, you're not coming home without a blessing. You better bring a blessing. He went to Rosh Hashanah to Lubavitch. The Rebbe was the Rebbe Maharash, the fifth Chabad Rebbe, the fourth Chabad Rebbe. Rebbe Shmuel was his name. His name was Shmuel himself. And Rosh Hashanah, he pushed himself, and he was, and the Rebbe used to get there, and the Rebbe used to read the Aftorah in the synagogue. And he pushed himself, he stood across of the Bime, and the Rebbe read the Aftorah. And when the Rebbe said, when came to the world, to this child I was praying, and your prayers will be answered, the Rebbe left up his eyes to Anem and looked at him. He felt, he's done. He got a blessing. But because his wife told him that he cannot come home without a blessing, like the, your feelings are not good enough, then he, after Rosh Hashanah, he entered the, the, the room and he says, my wife told me I cannot come home, I need a problem. He told them, the Rebbe told them, you love a blessing, you love a child. And she gave him a name after the father. He was in seventh heaven. He flies out of the Rebbe's room. He runs, he takes his peklach. He's, he's on the train. He's on the way home. Since he starts to think about what the Rebbe told him in his private audience, there's two minutes he had with the Rebbe. And the Rebbe told them a name after the father. Which father? The Rebbe's father, his own father also passed away that year. The Rebbe's father was the previous Rebbe just passed away. Or his own father, who should he name him after? For sure it's going to be a child and a boy, but which should he name him after? A whole way home he was in Gansen zu Krochen, confused completely, he didn't know what to think. And he was, what he was thinking and he told his wife, and name after the father, they didn't know what it means. Lo and behold, twins were born. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Two boys. Oh. No way. Two fathers. And he named after the Rebbe's father and after mm. his own father. So <coughs> the president was that? The, the president was a grandchild of this, oh. of this, uh, of this uh, miracle. It's a modern story. And it's interesting, it's interesting that uh, the child who survived was the child that was named after the Rebbe's father. Uh. Wow. But I know um, I have a brother-in-law, Miriam's uh, sister, his mother passed away, the, I'm going to sit near, and the Rebbe's wife passed away the same year. And everybody named after the Rebbe's wife, and he knew he would have a dilemma, and yet win golf. Mm. <laughs> Both of them were named after this and after this. Then this is the prayers, the story of Hannah, the story of Rosh Hashanah teaches us that many miracles can take place in Rosh Hashanah. Things that were never expected. Not Sarah should have a child, not Hannah, not Rachel. 
that Joseph should go out from jail. All of this happened on Rosh Hashanah. Mm-hmm. Rosh Hashanah is a very, very powerful day. And we mm-hmm. ask from Hashem, Hashem will help us and we'll have the, we'll, all our prayers will be answered, God willing. One of the miracles, we see a miracle of birth oftentimes. We've got three birth stories, miracles going on here. Yeah. Uh, is the birth miracle connected to the creation of Adam? Is that the theme connecting them? You mean that's why it's in Rosh Hashanah, you yeah. mean? Mm-hmm. And the, mi- the miracles that took place in Rosh Hashanah are more births than other, other, the other things. This is true. Is this connected to Adam? I think because of giving life. Maybe because that was the day that God gave life. Yeah, it's, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, would you say? In, in general, that's considered the most important miracle. Having a child. What could be better than beginning? So Rosh Hashanah is a holiday for all people in the world, not only Jews. You're right. You're right. Uh, Rosh Hashanah is a holiday for women. Absolutely. In Rosh Hashanah, it's the first person was born. Yeah, that's why it's a, it's a birthday of the, of humanity. Yeah, and that's why it's a holiday for you all human beings, not mm-hmm. just for Jews. And right. on Rosh Hashanah, everybody is being yeah. is being judged, and is is God decides mm-hmm. for him the Kedir to come? Not only Jews, Jews know about it a little more than everybody else. But it's really a, a special day for every human being in the world. Absolutely. Right. And that's what we pray on Rosh Hashanah. Most of the prayers on Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur is more to, for the Jewish people, but Rosh Hashanah mm-hmm. is if you, the old theme is about everybody. It's not about, about the Jewish people. Yeah. So that's the whole shofar blowing, as we'll speak about it next week, and more things to be discussed. That's a good story. Thank you.